Hi, how you doing tonight? This is the newly formatted Over the Rainbow, and it's now called OTR, Achieving Mental Health for Real. What we do on this podcast is give information and talk to people that have recovered from mental illness. Tonight, we have Madeline Moses. She is an entrepreneur and a motivational speaker. She has a company called Alter Ego Global. And she took some valuable time out to talk to me, and we wound up talking for an hour and a half. So this is going to be a two-parter, but it's very, very entertaining. So let's just go to the interview. Uh, hi, Madeline. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. My name is Mandolin Moses. I've got a business called Alter Ego Global. And my business is all about healing the psychosis of the mind. And, you know, when it comes to mental illness, at some point in our lives, we have a forgetting of who we are. And it can be something small or it can be something really big. But at, and because we've all experienced some kind of a trauma or a belief or something that has happened in our life, and those beliefs, they shape us. And they hinder us moving forward in our lives. And so the more we have this conversation around mental health, the more we're able to come into a self-awareness and create a life where we can prosper rather than constantly being on this like roller coaster ride of suffering and highs and lows. And so this is just one of my favorite topics to be t- uh, to speak on. So could you tell us a little bit more about your projects? Yeah, I have created a project that um, is called the uh, the Pyramid to Prosperity. And uh, the, the Pyramid to Prosperity, it's a system where it walks you through the pain process to prosperity. And like you, I've gone through quite a bit of adversity in my life. I myself have never been diagnosed with a mental illness. However, everybody in my life has suffered from mental illness. So I have been on the other side of things. My mom, my dad, my youngest daughter, my my kid's dad, and most recently I was with a man I had no idea um, that he was mentally ill until the end. So I've kind of been on the opposite oh. end of mental illness. Um, and being able to take a um, an objective view um, towards the end or the last relationship, I was able to really see how the mind works along with like different modalities and things like that. And so uh, the project that um, I created from all of this was this pyramid to prosperity of how we're able to actually go in to, in science, they call it gray matter. You know, when things happen in the brain, they call it gray matter. But I like to use the analogy of... Um, potholes they're like little potholes in the brain mm-hmm. that get us like uh tripped up mm-hmm. you know like when there's some kind of memory or something that happens like in psychology it's also, it's called a reaction formation when we get tripped up we start to repeat these we get stuck in this uh, pothole and we start to create these uh behaviors which you know we can call uh mental illness can I ask you, um, you talk mm-hmm. about your family having uh, mental illnesses. Can I ask you what they have? Yeah, bipolar. Most of them are bipolar. 
um, where my daughter um, just has like a lot of social anxiety. Um, and then this I've never experienced before. The previous relationship was um, euphoric, bipolar, where he's very much, very overly excited, very grandiose ideas. Yeah, and has um, multiple personality disorder. Okay. So I take it you're not with him in, anymore? Or? No, no. It was, it was, yeah, yeah there's, you, 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 I was also on the side of trying to force someone to get help that just was clearly did not want help. <laughs> yeah, some people you can't, I, I know I tried to get my wife help. She was uh, riddled with anxiety and, she refused to believe anything was wrong with her. So mm-hmm. that's that's the problem. That's the stigma. Uh, people don't want to believe it. They'd rather drink and take drugs because that's okay. But God forbid you go and examine yourself and maybe you need a little medicine or counseling. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people forego that and, and they just go into acceptable you know, drinking is acceptable. Uh, drugs are acceptable. But when you start talking about Prozac and Paxil and, yeah, all the different drugs that there are, they don't want to even think about it or do anything about it. So it's really a tragedy. It, it absolutely is. And, and you know, and I have to say, that I, there was a point in my life, I remember when my daughter was complaining about anxiety and I didn't quite get it. And I've always been that person who was like anti-medications. And so I was like, well, there's other things that you could do. And she like really pushing to for the medication. And I don't think it was until just recently, the episode that I went through with my ex, where I realized sometimes those medications are just really, really needed because your life does even though like he is in such a place of you know in in his words heaven um the the outside life is like blowing up in your face and so to to use these medications to at least get the edge off so you can start to see things in a more um, i guess in more of like reality i it, it, i that was the first time i actually realized how powerful and needed the medications are yeah i i uh, you know, I've been taking medication for uh, 50 years almost, and uh, I just now found something that is working really well. So I'm in a really good place right now. But, you know, I still struggle through the day with anxiety. There's certain types of, uh, I mean, certain times where my anxiety is worse during the day. So that's like midday like 10.30 to 2.30, something like that. And I haven't figured out exactly why, but the rest of the time, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty calm, and uh, I'm actually feeling the best I've felt in a long time. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I needed the drugs because I was flipping out. I was not violent or crazy. I just felt this horrible, like, poison inside my body that you would call it anxiety, but I think it was something even worse than that. And depression came along with it. Because my parents, one was bipolar, not 
uh, diagnosed, and my mother was riddled with anxiety. So mm. I got the whole, you know, nine yards on that, unfortunately. Well, maybe fortunately. I mean, it, <laughs> it does. Well, now you're here helping and serving other people yeah. who are going through the same thing, and so our life will always put in these unique situations so we can serve and help others. So, you know, and it's like, and you always got to commend yourself for being, you know, the brave one to speak out. And so, yeah, it's always fortunate. Yeah. Well, I'm at a point where I just don't care. You know, I'm 62 years old, and I don't care. And I'll come out to people, maybe not my immediate family right away, because I don't know if they could handle it. <laughs> but uh they know of my problems, but they don't know how I feel about them. Uh, for instance, my brothers were bullies, and my father was a bully. And, you know, I've said that on the air before, so I don't want them hearing that. But um it's the truth. And, you know, my sister had the same problems as I had. So it was definitely an inherited situation uh made worse by, you know, basically a dysfunctional family. But I did listen to, uh, I started to listen to some of your podcasts and, uh, you were talking about getting into a loop mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Can you talk about that more? Oh, or? absolutely. We, um, we get caught in these, 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 these trauma loops. It's like in, in one of the podcasts that I did, I, I describe it like, um, uh, a good example of this is, uh, there was, uh, I was living in Belize for for about six months, and we were trying to drive to these waterfalls. And there was this. Um, we were driving a van, and there's like a, a divot in the road. What happens is, you know, you're you're trying to drive through to get to a destination, right? Whatever your destination is, but as you're driving, you get caught into mm-hmm. this um, these these potholes and. Oh, and it's spinning the water and everything. It's just making things deeper. So what happens is how, you know, I, I like to use the analogy of the pothole because we can all see it. But what happens is these trauma loops, we don't know because it's unconscious. I know like we, we talk about mindset and the conscious and the subconscious brain, but we also have an unconscious brain. So when things will trigger us, we'll get caught in these loops. Like they're like reminders. And then we get caught in these cyclical loops and we don't know why we're caught up in them. And uh, we don't know why these like memories and we don't even know about them because they're so unconscious. With my ex, he, uh, this, his, his mania would always strike at the same time every single year okay. at the end of February. Yeah, he must have it. Traumatic event, most likely. Yeah, so every time something happened, so the last time was like big, like I was like, what the heck is going on? Like the behavior changed so drastically overnight. And it happened a year before, it was pretty, pretty egregious, but it was not near to this degree. But this year I was a little bit more aware Uh and we found out that, yeah, it was every year in February that he ended up doing this because he was replaying the trauma that he had played before and had no idea that it was happening. And I think uh, what happens is a lot of times parents replay the incidents that happened in their childhood to their children. So if they got spanked for whatever reason, 
they will repeat that kind of uh, punishment mm. to their children. So it's a cycle. It, it really is a cycle that needs to be broken. And the only way to break it is to break the stigma and start talking about mental illness. And, I mean, if you, if you watch 80 hours of newscasts, you, you, you won't even hear anything mentioned about Nothing. mental illness at all. The only time you hear it is, okay, the guy shoots up everybody. Okay, he's mentally ill. That's the end of the story. But they don't tell his backstory. Why was he mentally ill? You know, what, what did people do to him? Things like that. It's just immediately he's mentally ill and that's it. And that's the excuse. Uh, but we're not talking no, about No, well, because, the, the, you know, it's like, um, I don't know if you watched the movie, the, the most recent Joker movie. No, I haven't. It was basically on uh, the, the Joker, like how he was bullied and this, and then ended up becoming this, like, obviously, like this, the Joker ended up becoming this mass murderer. And that's, that's what we think mental illness is. And we also think when you, re when you see these commercials for medications come up, you see this, um, oh, why is mommy so sad? Why is this? You're only seeing like these like one like little snapshots of what mental illness is. And so then it's easy for us to divide ourselves and separate ourselves uh, from what mental illness actually is because we're thinking that it's like, oh, these people are bad. These are the people who are homeless on the streets. These are the people who are completely manic. But it's not that at all. And it's not what they show on TV or anything like that. And I think one of the biggest reasons is why we don't talk about mental illness is because if we start talking about it, we all have to take personal responsibility and accountability for it. Because like you said, yes. it is. It, mental illness affects every single family because it's get like the behaviors just get passed on from generation after generation after generation, and we call these things normal. We have to break the cycle where you don't treat your children like you were treated and uh, educate them on any kind of mental illness. Now, I have three adult children <laughs> who all have a touch of anxiety. Um, one is taking medication. The other is on and off. But at least they're aware of what's going on. When I had my first episode in 91, I had no idea what was going on. I thought I was dying. I thought they were just going to wrap me up and put me in a, a mental institution for the rest of my life because I couldn't function. I was non-functional. Mm. Um, the best that I could do was crawl up in a little ball. And it, it just takes the life out of you. It takes the love out of you. The very things you need to help yourself with mental illness, it takes from you. So, you know, that spirit of, you know, just do it, you can do it. That it, mental illness takes that from you. And it, it, it's a monster. And it, and I always say it's pandemic. Speaking of pandemic. Absolutely. I, I, I say that it's, it's all over the world. And it's kind of, the problem with the world that's kind of what you know why we don't live in a paradise or live up to our 
capabilities because we're all so kind of messed up. I mean, even the quote-unquote normal people, if you look into their lives, you can find something that's bizarre uh, almost all the time. They might not suffer as much as a person like myself, but they're suffering. You know, they're uh, what's called not awake. They're, they're living, you know, their life on automatic pilot. And that in itself is kind of insane, if you think about it. Oh, ab- absolutely. Like, you know, I was, um, I, for me, I was, when I was wanting to work on like a movement, right, or or like working with different, um, you know, I, I love working with philanthropy and different projects. And what I had, um, I was going to be working with um, this company called Child Help, which is uh, a, a national organization for child abuse. I was going to start working with that, and but there were just some things that just weren't quite like fitting. You know, and I was like, why is this not working? Because, like, abuse is something that I can relate to because I was a very abused child. But then as I started to really do work in mental illness, Uh like, you're right, mental illness is a pandemic. Mental illness is the cause, the root, the source of every single problem on the planet, which is why we all must take personal accountability because we all suffer from it whether or not you want to admit it or not. And this whole COVID thing, it is a, it is the biggest beast of them all. It's a monster. And with this whole COVID thing, what, what really was, oh my gosh, this was the most frustrating thing in the world. As I was trying to get um, my boyfriend help, everyone was so concerned with not getting this virus. This COVID virus, which is, is, which is so small in comparison to all the other things mm-hmm. that we're facing in the world. But the world is right, so, is right now so focused on the fear of dying from this virus, which in itself is a mental illness, which is the irony of it all. Yes. So it's a paranoia, but we can't even see, I couldn't even get him in to get a, proper psyche bell. Number one, I couldn't go in with him because of the COVID thing. Number two, none of the psychologists are seeing anybody in person. And you've got somebody who's at the stage of where he was at that he really needed to see a person, someone in person, but they would only see him on the phone, which he wasn't going to see on the phone. So it literally perpetuates and all of the psychologists are freaking out because the the foundation and the structure, the infrastructure that we have for mental health is not big enough to sustain the fallout from mental health after this COVID thing. So once we all start to connect again, it's going to blow up in our face in such a big way. I think there is a, a lack of uh, proficiency with uh, psychiatrists and even counselors. Um, a lot of times they say counselors are the strangest people of all. And I kind of believe that. I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in, you know, psychiatry. I think um, there are a lot of bad ones out there. There are good ones as well. But 
yes. you got to be very careful picking a psychiatrist and a counselor. Because the counselor could lead you in the wrong direction, and that will screw you up. And everybody has a different viewpoint on how to heal things, but um, it, it, it changes, I think. Each person needs different information. I mean, it needs to be healed in their own way uh, from from their problems. So, you know, it's it just is a, a growing pandemic as well. I mean, we it's taking over. I mean, our president is mentally ill, in uh, my opinion. A million percent but, he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to insult people that like him, but he's 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 gone. He's he's nuts, and as they say, <laughs> and he needs help, you know. And there are lots of people like that. I mean, all these high executives, the person that I worked for last, they're all, they're all trying to meet a goal that's not there. It, when you get to the end of the rainbow, it's nothing. That's, that's where I get over the rainbow from. If you go and finally reach your goal, once you get there, you say, wait a minute, is that all there is? Um, and, and, and I think that happens a lot. And, and we crawl on each other to get to that goal. And even when we reach it, we're like, wait a minute, this isn't not as good as I thought it would be. So I think people are, are focused in the wrong direction to begin with. They're more focused on money and being rich and, but you can't take the money into your coffin. I mean, you could put it in your coffin. Yeah. But money is, is, is almost worthless. I'm going from retirement. Uh, I'm going to be making, um, a fraction of what I have been making as an IT person. But you know what? I don't care. Just to get out of that bureaucracy and, and that toxic, I mean, this toxic, um, environment. Where people can't even be themselves, or else they, you know, they're brought up on charges of, you know, saying the wrong thing or not being politically correct. And meanwhile, the the guy next to me has OCD. He's got his draw all full of the the cans the right way and everything, and he he checks his chair all the time, make sure it's straight. So. <laughs> It, it, it's all over the place. Oh. It's everywhere. It's it's absolutely true, and it's like going back to what you were saying before about you know like the 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 stigma around psychiatry. You know, like psychiatry is really only designed to get you to operate in a place of being in the general psychosis. It doesn't take you out of the psychosis. It just is there to teach you how to manage yourself better within the psychosis. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's not healthy. Like you're still, when you're still part of the psychosis, you're not healing anything. And so I truly believe truly with every cell of my body, because I've seen it work, not only with myself and with others. Um, and this is what I've devoted my life to is there's got to be a, and the word is not balance. 
the word is marriage, a marriage between psychology and spirituality and not spirituality mm-hmm. in the form of like whatever you think it is. Spirituality to me is a true connection to yourself, your true expression of yourself um, and who you are, your truth. So when you can connect to spirituality and the science of psychology and you can marry the two, that's the only way you're able to get out of the psychosis. And then you can get over that rainbow. And then you can see, oh, my gosh, there is something really beautiful at the end of this because now you're sitting there looking at an ob- you're looking at the world in an objective point of view it, rather than being in that melting pot of the um, general psychosis, you're able to be out of it. You're able to elevate yourself. But you can only do that when there's a marriage between spirituality and psychology. But it, it is getting a, a little better in a sense because my children are much more educated and they know all about me and they don't think... Um, wrong or, or, or bad or, or crazy they understand what I've gone through and you know they're educated and I think you know my father my father was there was no such thing as mental illness I mean in that generation and you know the World War two generation there was no mental illness it was just oh yeah you went nuts they would say Mm-hmm. And they and they would do awful things to you, like lobotomies, and and we've come a long way, but it's not enough right now. I mean, it's a race against time. I mean, <laughs> how long yeah. can we be like this and 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 hide in the shadows of? No one is really true to themselves. Very I mean, very very, very few, few people. people, and you know what, but. That's why I think the time is now. You know, it's like there always comes a point where it's like we're just not quite ready for a bit of knowledge. And it's like with everything in life, life unfolds gradually. But with this whole, like, COVID thing, we were the whole world. Like, like we've never seen anything like this ever. And the whole world was put no. on pause. And we were all put on pause and we were all put in quarantine in our ha- house. And I personally believe uh, we were all put on pause to look at the conflict in our own heart. Nobody can run from it anymore because you've all seen it in your home. You can still sit up, go out Mm -hmm. there and pretend that, um, that you don't have, and still live in a life of vanity that my life looks good from the outside, but you cannot run from the fact that at night before you go to bed, that there's conflict in your heart. And right now, We've all been forced to see it, see it, and the time is now to have these conversations around mental illness, which is why I just I wanted to jump on the opportunity to have this conversation with you. Well, well, uh, I mean, the podcasts are our only hope because CNN and uh, Fox are going to just continue to try to get ratings by saying Trump is good, and the other station says Trump is bad, and. It doesn't report the news. It, it, it doesn't even absolutely never mentions mental illness. And almost everybody suffers from it. I mean, in some absolutely shape or form. I mean, 
there's no such thing as the totally happy no. person. I mean, it's rare. And um, people don't even have empathy. I mean, take a, a person like Donald Trump. I mean, he's totally non-empathetical, I guess if that's a word, to other people. Um, and there's lots of people like that. Mm-hmm. Most of the people are like that. My sister, who is a saint, the complete opposite of my brother's, she she reaches out and, and, and she really tries very hard to lead like a Christian life. She believes in, you know, um, Christianity. But she, she's trying to live a spiritual life. And she doesn't value money in the same way other people do. She values family. And uh, I don't think there's a lot of people that, that do that. I mean, um, I, I just don't know. This is just the beginning, I think, of, of trying to turn things around. I mean, it, it, the podcasts, I don't know if that's enough. I think we need more than yeah. that. We need leadership. We need somebody as a real president stepping up and saying, look, we're going to try to help people. Because, I mean, I just got off uh, one of my shows with uh, a guy, very nice guy, but he lives in the um, the ghetto or, or, you know, where all the, the guns were and stuff as a child. And he grew up on that. And, and it was just horrible existence. And he finally got out of it, but he didn't. Because now he has PTSD very badly. He can't sleep because he thinks, oh, uh, somebody's going to shoot me. Uh, so we don't try to help our inner cities. We don't try to help uh, everybody on a, on a whole. We're, we're pretty much centered towards just capitalism and we're going to make our money and other people don't matter. We're just going to step on them and and, and go up the tree, and at the end, we're going to have nothing. I mean, in, in reality. I mean, if if you look on Facebook, everybody's happy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but was, it's just was, not true. I was contemplating uh, social media, actually, this morning. For So for me, um, after um, my, my boyfriend ended up, you know, having his, manic episode well I mean he's still he's still in the manic phase but basically like um he had to vilify me to justify himself right and the, like I I, I, I the thing is I haven't been in a position like this in my you know in a, in a very very long time so I was like I kind of shocked by everything but it was it, but uh a lot of people have followed my, you know, I've been a speaker for a while, so a lot of people have been following my life and our relationship and for a long time, and they're like, man, you guys look so happy, you know, and the thing the thing about that, like with social media, is there's things that you're allowed to post and there's things that you're not allowed to post, right? And, you know, it's like even though I can't say that we didn't have a happy relationship, there was a lot of behaviors that I doubted a lot. And even though I can post like we were traveling the world for the last two years, 
And I'm sitting here, we're traveling the world, we're posting our our travels over the years and things like that, and it looks like we're having a great life. I, but I can post, like, us swimming with the whale sharks in the Philippines and how much fun we're having and getting massages on the beach, but I can't post my doubts. I can't post mm-hmm. my insecurity. I can't post my confusion over the behaviors. I can't post all those little things that add up. So it, you're right. Social media only shows this one side of the story. And then you've got people who share like the, like the people who do put their whole life story on Facebook. Oh my God, this. And they're like, Oh, everybody's exhausted by them. They're such victims. And it's like, but there's nothing in between. It's like black or white. And social media is so dangerous mm-hmm. that cause it perpetuates mental health pandemic it absolutely perpetuates it and and it groups people you know uh to fight against each other like we're doing now i mean we have (laughs) good people on both sides as one person said um it's not true i mean there is a side that uh, i don't know what you could call them but that they're not very uh, inviting, let's say. Uh, they want to have their own little group with with whatever, you know, guns and, and whatever, and they they don't want anybody else coming into the country. Yeah. Or they don't even accept people that aren't yeah. the same color as they are. All these kinds of prejudice, I mean... They're built yeah. from day one. When you get born, they they ingrain into you that these people are no good. We can shoot them. Uh, it it's it, it just it doesn't go away. The prejudice in this country has not gone away, and and it's it's not surprising because I mean, uh. Not too long ago, we had slaves, oh, 100, 150 years ago. And we've never made up for that, in a sense. I mean, we still don't think of of everybody as equal. We think some people are better, and this person, you know, this group of people aren't so good, and that group of people, they do that, and mm-hmm. we can't let anyone into our borders. Uh, we have, so it's feudalism. That wall is feudalism. If you, if you remember the old days of feudalism, you put up a wall and you have like a shark or whatever they call it, a moat, and you, you guard your, your palace. That's not the way not. the world is going to get better. It's going to get better when, when we join together with other countries, tear down the, the damn walls, like Reagan said. <laughs> Not that I liked Reagan, but I mean, help people, help people, and and, and it's so there's so many ways to do that. There's so many ways to to stop the wars that occur in these countries. The reason they're coming and flocking into into our country. There's so many things you can do, but we're paralyzed right now. Our government is in a paralyzed situation, and nothing can get done. 
Um, and all we do is print more money and, and hand it out. And I don't know what's going to become of, of the new normal, you know, the after uh, Corona. I don't know what kind of society yeah, I mean, we have. It, it, we, I mean, we, obviously it's like we, we, you know, we don't know because we've never um, experienced it before. And so all we can do at this point is um, the, the thing that scares me the most is the other day, for instance, this was, this is one of my favorite, favorite stories. What happened? I was, I, every morning I get up and I go for uh, a run and there was a guy, he was like, he was up on the sidewalk, quite, quite far up the sidewalk, like not super close, but he saw me walking. He saw me like approaching and he starts like literally like starts spinning around in circles. Like, Oh my God, there's a person coming. What am I going to do? And I'm just watching the guy and the dog is like looking at him like he's crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, what is he? Why is he in circles? Like we can walk by each other in the sidewalk. The guy literally jumped behind a bush. <laughs> and I was just, I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. And oh my so God. my, my, my concern is that. We are going to end up in a world where we're so fearful of each other. We're so fearful of each other and that, mm. you know, until we come up with some kind of vaccine or we come up with something, we're going to be living in this world where we can't even sit next to each other because of this virus that was perpetuated by the yeah. media. Like, you know, and, it, and because of that, we have been creating even more fear and fear creates mental illness. And so the fallout from this is really scary. And until we really start to have these open dialogues on mental illness, we really should be cautious about the way the world is going because this is just the beginning. And these conversations are necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we're going to enter a world of economic, uh, disaster when we do come out of it and probably in the fall yes. it's going to strike back again uh, no matter what we do no matter if we put on masks or not it's coming back it's, it's the other end of the hurricane and by December I don't know what kind of state we're going to be in I mean I stayed in I'm 62 I'm a high risk I stayed in my house the whole time. Um, I I can't risk the you know going and and, and getting it, and that's I guess that's the way a lot of people feel. And the the difference is that if you do get the flu, you have a chance, you know. Uh, but if you get a bad case of Corona, you, you're gone. And, and and that's it. And I think that's what frightens everyone so much. There's no vaccine. There's no known treatment that really works. And it's a scary thing. Well, I thing. mean, it's all of us. It's the fear, you know, the fear of the unknown, you know. Um, but with yeah, that being said, just hiding in our homes and letting ourselves just sit in fear does not does not heal the world. It does not contribute to a world where um, it doesn't contribute to a world where we're able to connect with each other and 
it, it, it literally feed, it feeds it feeds into the psychosis. And what we it, it the only way for us to get out of the psychosis is for us to start learning how to take on a more objective view and being able to mm-hmm. um instead of fearing you know, like I could say, instead of fearing others, because fearing others is really a true fear of ourselves, we really do need to start mm-hmm. looking within, being able to look within uh-huh. and being able to um, really heal that conflict in our own hearts. Mental illness, the solution is very, you know, I don't want to say nothing's easy, but everything is simple. And the simple answer to mental illness is us all to stop running from our own demons and our own beasts and to start taking some personal accountability so we can connect to each other, even when the world is in the midst of a global pandemic. Well, I mean, I think there still is a part of uh, mental illness is a large part that is physical, that you inherited, uh, that really... I mean, I'm not sure you can solve that by, you know, well, just it's, taking it's, on the... The thing is, is we're born, we're born into families for a reason. Like, the families that, you know, from the age of zero to seven, are like, our brains are, like, wide open. And it's perpetuated by the, you're right, the beliefs and the DNA structure of the family. That's why you see people who've got, like, you know... Like uh, sexual abuse, the sexual abuse goes on for generations. Yeah, it's unbelievable the incest that goes on in this country and in every country. Absolutely, it's a it's a huge problem. And how many how many people are scarred by that? It's just incredible. I mean, uh, and you know these kids in the inner cities, they're, they're going to all have PTSD. I mean. You can't live in an environment like that and come out of it normal. You, you, you're going to have a look at the people, poor, poor people that came back from Vietnam. They were all had PTSD. They all had some kind of issue and they would drink or they become homeless. Uh, a man is not meant to see some of the things that it, they, they see, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a horrible thing, and, I mean, you can't make the world perfect, but you know what? You could try, and, and not only that, you could be truthful, because my philosophy on life is that God equals truth equals love. I think they're all equal. I think the closer you get to truth, the closer you get to God, and the closer you get to love. Wow. This episode... Wasn't intended to go two parts, but we got into it and we got really deep. And Madeline Moses is unbelievable and she's very spiritual. And uh, I could really connect with her. And hopefully we'll connect on future projects like we were saying. But I don't want to keep everybody. You've listened a long time. I'll give you all my stats next Thursday, the 18th, when the second part comes out. So have a good couple nights, and we'll see you then. Love you guys. Bye.